Okay, <clears throat> this this is nerve-wracking. Nerve-wracking stuff. I've been putting this off for so long, but I absolutely love to do this. And this is episode one. Welcome. Uh, again, I'm actually still, I've got like some adrenaline going here, a little bit of butterflies because I can't believe I'm doing this, but you know how it is. Taking action eliminates fear. And now we're off. So I want to break down one of the first things I ever wrote down in my notes. And literally with this podcast, I am going to just go through my notes from day one, right when I started recording stuff that I found cool. So this is a book summary called Ikigai. Yes, Ikigai. I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, but but it's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. It's a Japanese word, I, I think. Anyways, and what it means, it's about finding what you enjoy, but what also makes you money. And, you know, even if you could make way more doing something you dislike, you find it mediocre. You find it displeasurable. And so you do something that even if it makes you less, makes you happy. But the key is that it also makes you money so you can survive. That is the apparent secret to happiness according to this philosophy, Ikigai. Now, I want you to think about this because some people would disagree, some would agree. I personally agree wholeheartedly. Now, let's take in consideration that our skills, we naturally drift towards. Things we're good at, we naturally like. When you're not good at something, you don't typically drift towards it. So think about it. Are you doing a job that you enjoy, but also makes you money? And what are your expenses? How much does it cost to live? Could you do something you really enjoy that covers your expenses? That is the question. Now, there's another a, a point from this book. Take away things that make you fragile in life. Waking up at the same time and following routines and structures daily or weekly helps. I can tell you that I felt more fragile during the pandemic because, uh, and I actually read this book summary, the first lockdown, because right now we're in the second. And so I felt more fragile because of the lack of structure in my life, All right? Fragility in this context, meaning more likely to not delay gratification and more likely to push aside your main goals. I'll say that again. Fragility in this context means you're more likely to delay gratification and more likely, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Again, I'm reading these notes. I haven't looked at these in a minute. You're more likely to not delay gratification. So instant gratification is very attractive when you're fragile. And you're going to push aside your, your main goals because of that. Fragility, oh, what was it? I was just talking to somebody about this concept of being fragile. Um, and it has to do with your ego, right? You're a fragile person if you're always following what your ego says. You're never questioning your ego. That is fascinating to me. Now, another note here. This is from David Goggins' book, Don't Break Me. Chaos is described as activities that aren't necessarily organic. Create chaos. Right? Chaos is described as activities that aren't necessarily organic. 
That way you'll at least have control over the chaos when you create it. All right. So you start to handle other chaos well when you create your own chaos. You're not stunned. You are anti-fragile. I love when he says in this book, if you're doing something that doesn't align with your goal, why are you doing it? <laughs> it's so true though. Why? And some people don't dig deep enough. They don't even realize why. They're truly ignorant. So then the, the rest of this quote goes, if you don't even know why you're choosing something meaningless, then there's a bigger problem. You need to create a goal and make a path for yourself. So I think that, that just hits the nail on the head right there. Like if you don't even know why you're choosing something, mean, choosing something meaningless, th that's a bigger problem. We need to ad address that meaning. Actually, side note, I just watched the movie Soul last night with my family. What a deep film, let me tell you. It's all about how there is no meaning to life, that we try to give life meaning and feel like we have a purpose, but in reality, the meaning is existing. <laughs> like that, we can at least prove that, that, that existing is why we're here. It's because we, we need to exist for other things to exist. Uh, and again, even that, it's a, it's a paradox, really, because even that is, in, in my opinion, just giving meaning to something we don't understand. And there's a book called The Four Agreements and another one called The Fifth Agreement. And that's what it's all about, is that we all agree to things. Things meaning beliefs. We agree to beliefs. I, you and I agree the color blue is blue. You and I agree a TV is called a TV. You and I agree that our identities are the same as human beings, right? Like, we all agree to these beliefs. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other things. But anyways, um, let's see here. I wrote down, if you cannot think of a reason that sits with your principles, ditch the activity. What do you think? Are there some things that even if they don't align with your principles, it's okay? Because I personally, one of the, my, my biggest takeaways of my upbringing is balance is key. My mother always told me balance is key. And so you can't just do everything that aligns with your principles because that's not necessarily balance, is it? No, you tell me. This is, that's philosophical. I'm just posing the question. So another concept in the book, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, is KPI, Key Performance Indicators. So what measures do you track for your personal KPI? And for anyone that hasn't looked into KPI, think of it as, it's this simple. If you wanted to build a pyramid in a month, and it takes 30 bricks to build a pyramid, then you know every day you need to put one brick down and you will reach your goal. So the KPI for the day is one brick. But you can always do two or three bricks and you know you'll finish the goal quicker. So it's, so it's like a car salesman. Someone wants to make $60,000 a year, but they have to sell. When they reverse engineer that, they know they have to sell one car a day. So now the KPI is one car a day. So you know if you're under a car a day, you're not going to reach your goal. Whereas if you're over one card, you know you're reaching your key performance indicator. Anyways, so now that you understand that, what's your personal KPI for your goals? I want you to reverse engineer your goals. And I'm talking, don't think a year out. I'm talking 10 years, 20 years, 40 years down the road. I want you to reverse engineer those goals and think of the KPI. So have you thought of your KPI and how that reflects your goals? You know, for me personally, 
I want, and this is my KPI, by the way, my, my long-term goals I'm not going to get into, but for me, I want half to one property a year starting next year, one to two renewals with my clients or client closures a month. So every month, one to two people renew or I gain a client. Now, micro measure. This actually is not part of the book, but I created this as micro KPI. Do you have micro KPI? So my micro KPI to get the, the one property a year starting next year or to get, because I love real estate people. We'll probably talk about that at another point. And to get my renewals, I have to recommend referral incentives daily to clients. So that's a micro KPI. Every day I have to recommend that, hey, I'll give you three free sessions if you refer someone. And giving clients cards for birthdays and holidays, that's something that makes them loyal. They want to stay. Being extremely empathetic and kind, that's going to want them to stay. That's loyalty. Continue saving 50% of my income by shopping on sale, house hacking, walking places, taking teams whenever possible because teams make more money, fixing things myself or ditching things I don't need that are causing me uh, to spend more money. These are ways of saving 50% of my income and that will get me the property in the um, every year. So that's like a micro KPI is the little things are shopping on sale, blah, blah, blah. KPI only works though if you have clear, smart goals. If you're not familiar with SMART goals, it's an acronym for specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-based. That You know, here, okay, you know what? I was debating not even going there, but we'll go there. Let's go there real quick for like 60 seconds. So a prime example of a SMART goal would be running a marathon. However, to make it a SMART goal specific, what kind of a marathon? 42.2 kilometers. Okay. Uh, measurable. Can you measure it? Yes. You uh, run the distance and finish the race. That's how you measure that you've done the goal. Attainable. Can I attain it? Well, I, I can't run the marathon if I have never ran before. So I have to start running. Is it realistic? Um, it's for me, it is because I'm in North America with the, with the privilege of signing up for a marathon. Let's say you live in a tiny village somewhere and there's no marathon. You have to get on an airplane to go to a marathon. You don't have the money for an airplane. Like these are the, that. So for me, it is a realistic goal for others. It wouldn't be. And timely is a marathon something I have time to do. Yes. Um, whereas some people might literally not have the time, you know, that's a smart goal. Since those who practice self-discipline are in the minority, you're putting yourself at a huge advantage by holding yourself accountable to the highest degree. That's something David Goggins says. That alone, like how uplifting is that? That since those who practice self-discipline are in the minority, you're at a huge advantage. Like it's so true though. And, and Jordan Peterson in his book, 12 Rules of Life, makes a great point of this that these are things you already know. Like, like when I tell you that people who practice self-discipline are in the minority, you know that already. It was in there and that's, it was in your subconscious. You knew that. Like it, that's why it feels like common sense. But I'm just here to remind you, right? Let's resurface this thing. And so I really hope that inspires you, all right? 
that you are in the minority if you practice self-discipline. And then that comes down to another point, be uncommon among the uncommon. So once you're in that minority, it really just takes a few key decisions to then be the uncommon among the uncommon again. Whereas for many, it can take a lot of decisions to be that minority of self-discipline. Whereas once you are self-disciplined, just it's like uh, when you look at pro athletes, it took a lot of discipline, hard work, sacrifice to get to where they are. But then once they're all in the same place, all those pro athletes are in the same place, now what do they do? They get really good at the basics again. They don't have to worry about the silly dangles and the fancy footwork and this. Now it's about making the simple play every single time because that's what's going to get them the bag. You know what I'm saying? So I, that, I want you to let that resonate with you. Uh, another point David Goggins makes is make time stamps regarding your daily life. Then study yourself. Now this, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. I did not do this. I haven't done this. But I really like the concept. To observe your actions. You know, what are you doing? If you had to objectively look at your life, and if you had to talk to yourself like you'd talk to your best friend, what would you tell yourself? So, I like what he says. Study yourself. Now here he says, take action 24-7. So when you're constantly bettering yourself, you'll start to enjoy it because you see the fruits of your labor. Preach. I absolutely love that. I absolutely love it. Because it's a positive feedback loop is what that is. And I've personally seen this in my life. And I'm sure you have too. Or maybe you're just on the cusp of that positive feedback loop. But what Goggins realized later on was he was actually enjoying the journey as much as the destination. It's cliche, but it's very true. And I think he talks about it later, but I'm going to bring it up now, which is taking action is what conquers fear. And then when people realize on the other side of fear is success, you actually seek out the fear because you know you're going to take action to conquer it. And that's where the positive feedback loop comes into play. So Goggins discusses the positive feedback loop from seeking new pursuits. When things get dull and life seems meaningless, a person that enjoys the process will seek out new objectives, thus falling back in love with the process. Isn't that interesting? Like seeking out new, uh, new objectives when a person feels they have a meaningless life. But that's only if, if uh, a person, I guess, is aware of everything we've been talking about. If someone's super ignorant, they're gonna just, I guess, think it's the status quo. They're not gonna create any change. They're going to look forward to going home, sitting down, watching the reality TV. There's a quote here. We love to study other people and other material. However, we look past studying our own selves and our own material. It's very true. It's very true. There are times my friends will say something negative about themselves. And I, I tell them, I say, don't say that about my friend. And they look really confused. I say I wouldn't let anyone else talk to you like that. I'm not going to let you talk to yourself like that. And so on that note, it's true. Study yourself like what we just talked about. I like that Goggins discusses focusing on one task at a time. Giving that task all your focus. Now I'm guilty for having videos on while programming for clients or doing other tasks. And so I need to improve that to, to cut multitasking. Multitasking can be very harmful for the quality of your task. When we fail, 
List the good things that happened or will happen because of your failures. As long as people aren't getting hurt, do not worry. I absolutely love this. There's something called the Nova effect. And it's the, it's when you answer to a question, or sorry, you answer to a statement, maybe. So if someone says like, ah, oh, this rain's so shitty, eh, maybe. There's a farmer out there that's blessed because the rain's going to help their harvest. Well, there's another family that is cursed because it's just flooded their basement. See what I'm saying? So it's the same scenario. There's a good and a bad case for that scenario. That's why I absolutely love when he says, list the good things that happened or will happen because of your failures. So true. Like good things will come. The Nova effect, they call it that because there's a dog named Nova. Gets away. The owner says, ah, can't believe my dog. My life sucks. My dog just ran away. Goes to look for it. Returned by a woman who he falls in love with. So he goes, oh, thank goodness my dog ran away or I would never have met my partner. You know, that's where you'd say, yeah, maybe. So he goes to get his partner from the doctor's appointment, gets in a car accident. Says, and Oh, and gets a concussion, by the way. And says, ah, if I wasn't dating my partner, I wouldn't even been in this car accident. Eh, maybe. Goes to the, the hospital. They check his head for the concussion. Oh, they notice a tumor started. He goes, oh, thank goodness I got in that car accident. Or I would never have found the tumor. and I would have been dead. Maybe, right? That's the Nova effect. There's always a good and bad thing to everything. Anyways, let's see what we got next. This is why the book is called Can't Hurt Me. You realize nothing can really take you down in life. When things take you down chronically, that's your own doing and that people can't face that reality. Now, this I kind of disagree with a little bit. Because it's so much easier said than does. Ah, I can't. You can't face reality. No, 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 no. There's so much subconscious programming and past baggage that can keep someone down. That's where I would want, obviously, I would tell them to go look for a therapist and get professional help because they will give you tactics and strategies to get over this stuff. So I don't think David Goggins should be telling people, like, that's your own doing that you're just down in the dumps chronically or life sucks chronically. No, no, I don't know. That doesn't seem right to me. Like, some people do get very unlucky for, unlucky for a while. Don't get me wrong. Mindset's everything. Like, you know, I guess you could technically... There's a saying, there are no such thing as good or bad things, just things. It's all your mindset. Mm, to an extent, though. I'm never going to just tell someone, hey, like, all of a sudden change your mindset. Like, your life is getting... No, that's ridiculous. And I think for now, since this is the first episode, that's it for the notes I have on David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me, that book summary. That's just one of many. And this book called Letting Go by David Hawkins, I'm going to talk about next time because that blew my mind regarding confrontation and, you know, projections. <laughs> but I hope you kind of like this format. See what I, like, I'm going to read these notes and then I'm just going to kind of go off what my mind is thinking. I'm going to just absolutely let it all go. Anything I'm thinking of, I just talk about at, like, you know, like you heard there. I was... And like I'm doing right now, you heard me bring up things that I already knew and I tied it into these notes I made about the book. So folks, stay tuned. There are going to be way more of these because I've got, and I keep 
adding to this. Remember that. It's not like these are, are there already. I've got so many, almost every day I'm adding more notes to these memos because I just keep learning all the time. I love to learn. I absolutely love to learn. It's something, when I was younger, I really didn't. And I think that stemmed from some insecurities that stemmed from other shit. And now as I'm older, I absolutely love to learn because I was a terrible student, right? And I always struggled to do homework. I'd rather play sports and other things. And I don't know, some f- switch just went off now that I'm 23 and I've been a working professional for three years. It was when I went to college, actually, I re- and I started just to study the things I love. That's when I love to learn. I guess it was the things that I was not good at and that made me feel crappy, made me not want to learn when I was younger. However, now the things I'm bad at, I do also want to learn. Like it, It's weird. This random thing happened mentally for me. And so anyways, I love learning and that's why I just keep adding to these notes and we're going to have literally podcasts forever. (laughs) All right. Anyways, this was awesome for me. I hope it was awesome for you. I'm going to stop talking and I got to get back to this app so I can end the recording. Look at that. 21 minutes. Not a bad length. I like the shorter lengths for podcasts, folks. Like me personally, I feel like too long of a podcast. I have to break it up. It's kind of tedious. This I feel like I can crush, to be honest. All right. I wish you the best. Take care. See you later.